On today's episode, we discuss being a challenger brand, building a culture of innovation, and creating new traditions and experiences for your fans. From Engagement, I'm David Millay, and this is Flip the Switch. Joining us today is my friend, Scott Carr, the Deputy Athletics Director of UCF. In his daily responsibilities, Scott has oversight of all external units within the department, including brand advancement, strategic communications and video services, as well as being heavily involved in revenue generation. And he does it for one of the most innovative, creative organizations in college athletics, University of Central Florida, better known as just UCF. Scott is one of the best guys in the business, and he's been around college athletics all his life. Prior to working at UCF, Scott served as the Associate Athletic Director for External Affairs at Auburn University, overseeing everything from marketing and promotions, ticket sales, box office, event management, community relations, game day experience, and all the partner contracts that come along with that. All right, enough about Scott's background. Let's talk about why you should be excited for today's episode. In a time right now where revenue is tight for all sports and live event organizations, we all need new ideas to engage our audience, our followers, and our fans. And Scott's been a key leader in an organization that has done a complete 180 in the last few years in this regard. Little background for those of you less familiar with UCF. On January 1st, 2018, Danny White, UCF's athletic director, declared the declared UCF the national champions after a 13-0 undefeated season, despite not getting a chance to compete for the official national championship. Even before that public declaration of rebellion against the status quo, UCF had created an internal culture of innovation, one that challenged traditions and focused on engaging their young fan base and employees. Look no further than their stats on social media engagement to show how much their fans really love UCF. Despite not being one of the 65 Power 5 schools, UCF ranks in the top 20 to 25 schools for virtually every engagement and interaction stat possible. And from a football attendance perspective, UCF ranked 13th last year in terms of percent capacity at 99.05% full every game. And the year before, their attendance was even higher than that. Now, when you're not a traditional superpower in your market or your industry, these kind of numbers are really hard to do. One of the best ways to achieve this, though, is by taking risks and encouraging a move fast and break things mentality and ultimately creating a culture of innovation. Earlier this year, we had Duncan Wardle on our show, the former head of innovation and creativity at Walt Disney World. And we talked about concepts and thought processes and thought processes and frameworks to kickstart innovation and creativity into your team. But sustaining a culture of innovation and creativity takes additional work, which is what we're going to get into with Scott. All the headlines usually go to massive capital investments in experiences like tailgating in a lazy river or putting a beach inside the stadium. But those headlines are the result of a hundred little things that have been done to foster that culture of creativity and innovation. These are things like changing department names and role titles, 
the experience and demographic makeup of your staff members, and the metrics that people are held accountable to within the organization. If you're a smaller player in your market and you're trying to make waves and topple the big guys, then this episode is for you. And honestly, if you are the big guy thinking you can't get any better because you're already at the top, you're going to get toppled by the organizations who think like Scott and like UCF. You should listen in too, because if you're not innovating, you're dying. So without further ado, let's get into this conversation with my friend, Scott Carr. Scott, welcome to the show. Great to be here, David. Thanks for having me on. Well, let's jump right in. It is a big day for you guys. Uh, you are just rolling out your ticket plan, albeit a adjusted ticket plan, thanks to COVID. Um, talk to us a little bit about what you guys are going through right now in the department. Sure. Well, like just about everybody that's going to be listening to this, uh, you know, we're all planning and pivoting. And, uh, you know, so as you mentioned today, we're actually rolling out our ticket plan to our season ticket holders letting them know that we're going to be pivoting to a single game model uh, for this year. We uh, originally had seven home games scheduled uh, when that got reduced down to four, we tried to schedule some additional games and it just, just didn't work out. Um, So we're going to roll out a single game model, obviously given priority uh, to our season ticket holders, uh, you know, based on their priority points. Um, So it is a big day, right? It's just like everyone's doing. We, um, we want to treat our fans properly. Um, uh, We want to, you know, try to make this a one year, a blip, you know, one year pain point, not multiple. Um, so obviously, uh, you know, the goal would be to to get them to to purchase some single game tickets, to donate uh, whatever they can donate. Uh, if they're not in that uh, in a place where they can donate, if they'll you know do a credit for next year, and, and obviously we certainly will offer offer refunds. But um, we, we'd love to try to try to get them to do anything we can besides besides the refund option, uh, just to keep them on board and, and obviously to to help the the fiscal year. So this has been a, I would say a crazy time in that normally as a sports and entertainment organization, we want to try to give as much information to our fans as we possibly can. But this whole summer has just been so funky in that we generally, we really don't have the information to give to them. Um, So talk to us about a little bit about what the communication with you, you guys and your fan base has been like over the last couple of months. Sure. And, you know, David, if I'm being honest and reflect on it, we probably haven't communicated as much as we should have. Right. And and whether there's a little bit of, uh, you know, maybe paralysis by analysis of, you know, well, what are we actually going to say? We don't have any facts. We don't have any details right now to actually give them or, well, if we put details out today, they may be completely different next week. Right. So we probably did a little bit more uh, overanalyzing than we should have, maybe should have communicated a time or two more. But we were uh, very cognizant of that. We did want to make sure that if we felt like it was starting to go a little bit longer than it should have, we'd at least put something out, even if that was be patient with us. Um, We're working on details. We're working with health officials. You know, we're working on scheduling more games. We don't have answers yet. We did put out some of those communications and and you could really feel the uh, the appreciation and maybe even the relief uh, from the fan base when they would hear from us. Uh, just saying, hey, thanks. Uh, you know, good to hear from you. We'll, we'll look forward to, you know, learning more details. So, um, you know, the communications were very vague, which which was hard to do because you're wanting to give details. You're, you're wanting to give them as much information as you can and you give them as much information as you can, which is basically not much. Right. right. So, uh, so we're finally to a place where we've got some details and, you know, we're uh, we've gotten approval to, to have 25 um, percent of our stadium occupancy to start the season. 
Uh, so we, we actually rolled that out last night um, and, and they're getting some coverage on that. And then, of course, today we'll roll out a lot more of the details um, on the single game plan and and, uh, and some of the impacts like the tailgating and the lack of tailgating that we'll have this year and, and things, again, that everyone else is dealing with. Yeah, it's uh, we're going to go into that a little bit deeper later in the show in terms of the adjusted experiences. You guys are known for having great experiences uh, at the stadium and all around campus. And we're going to talk about some of those adjustments a little bit later on. Um, but I think the, the first topic I really want to get into deeper here is this this concept that a lot of organizations are struggling with right now, where a lot of athletic departments, a lot of sports and entertainment organizations are really faced right now with this crisis of having way less revenue, projected revenue coming in uh, and having to figure get scrappy, basically, and get creative and think, how do we dig ourselves out of this hole? And I think the challenge that a lot of sports and entertainment organizations have been in forever is they operate what's in front of them. They're not great at ideation or innovation. They're great at operating the business that's there in front of them. But I think you guys have done a really great job of getting scrappy and and coming up with new ideas and almost being somewhat of a challenger brand. So can you talk to us a little bit about kind of the the spirit at UCF in terms of the mindset of how you guys approach being this kind of challenger brand, if you will? Certainly a, a lot to unpack here <laughs> with, with that question. Um, but yes, you know, we, we, we pride ourselves actually on, on being a challenger brand. And, and I think a lot of that probably has to do with youth. Um, you know, we're, we're a very young university, right? Um, we have been holding classes as a university for only 52 years uh, of, of people actually taking classes. Um, you know, just about everybody we play uh, on a Saturday has played football for longer than 52 years. Right. So, um, you know, we, we didn't become a Division One A program in football until 1996. Um, so, you know, we're, we're a very young uh, brand and, and there's a lot of, you know, there's some challenges with that for sure. But there's a lot of positives to that as well. And it, it allows you to be that challenger brand because you're not just so uh, seeped in tradition. That, that you can't be as innovative or, or make some changes. Um, you know, we have a fan base that's very open uh, to change, right? It, it's um, change is, a, is not a four letter word here. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's something that, um, that we embrace. We embrace change. Our fans embrace change. The city here embraces change, uh, you know, from, from growing up in Orlando for so many years. Um, so, th- so we, we pride ourselves on being a challenger brand and, and we actually, um, you know, two two slogans uh, that we use here a lot. Um, you know, one thing we say is that we're creating the future of college sports. That's something we pride ourselves on here. It's more of an internal uh, slogan. It's it's not our vision or mission statement, but it's just you know it it, it might be more of a purpose statement, if you will. Um, yeah. But you know, creating the future of college sports. We feel like, given our youth, given our location, um, you know, we we have you know a, a lot of advantages um, here whether it's competitive advantages, institutional advantages, city of Orlando, you know, uh, geographical advantages. We have a lot of advantages for that. And we also uh, like to say a lot of times that we're the nation's future, future largest fan base. Right. And, and someone may sit back and say, well, how can you claim that? Well, we graduate 16,000 students a year. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're up over 70,000 students right now. Um, you know, and, and our, our alumni base, uh, living alums is just under 350,000. And again, that grows by, you know, let's, let's do hypothetical math. It grows by 15,000 plus a year. Um, so, you know, there, there's a lot, you know, 
numbers, uh, you know, numbers of alums, the passion of alums. Um, there's a lot of advantages that we have there um, that, that we're able to draw off of. And, and again, I think it starts with taking pride in, in being a disruptor. Okay. So a lot for me to unpack there uh, as we go in. Uh, so I think this, this concept of having an internal statement that you guys can rally around is huge. And, um, you know, as I think about innovation, it's not something that you can just have as, Hey, here's a, here's a meeting about innovation. It's really got to be something that you weave into the fabric of your, your culture. And so having that guiding internal statement, if you will, the informal purpose statement of, and what, what did you say it was again? We're creating the future of college athletics. Is that what creating, it was? Yes. Creating the future of college sports. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think something like that, just the word future says we're, it's about change and innovation and ideas here. Um, so I, I guess going deeper on how you embrace change, I'm sure you've thought about this, not that you're leaving UCF anytime soon, but I'm sure you've thought about how might you apply that same type of mindset that embrace of a culture that embraces change at a more traditional university. Uh, because I know not everybody here that is listening to the show has culture that's currently deep and got innovation embedded into the fabric of the culture. So how, how might you, again, I'm sure you've thought about it. How might you adapt that culture and mindset of change and embracing change to a bigger organization? Sure. Well, and and I think what you have to do there is the, the mindset I would have there is we have to be innovative while protecting uh, our tradition. Right. And, and, you know, I think that's the best way to say it. And, and there's some things that, you know, if, if you're at a different organization, that they're going to be traditions that you just know you cannot touch. Right. You just, you know, at, at Auburn, you had plenty of those. Yes. Well, I, you know, I'll give you a great example. Uh, you know, worked at Auburn for seven years and absolutely loved it. Uh, great people uh, had a wonderful time there, won a national championship there, you know, just uh, had a great time. Um, but certainly a very different brand. Right. Uh, uh, you know, Auburn's a very strong brand, very traditional uh, people seven years ago. Uh, well, let me go with four and a half years ago. That's when I when I left to come here four and a half years ago. People knew who Auburn was. Right. You didn't you know, if you're out in California and you've got the interlocking AU logo, people know who that is. Um, they may not have known who UCF was in California four and a half years ago. Today they do. Right. I mean, you know, you, you wear that UCF brand to, in the airport in California. Somebody's going to say something to you. Right. Um, but I think it's being innovative while protect, protecting tradition. So, like you said, using an example. So I'm at Auburn and, you know, for 100 percent fact, you are not going to do one thing to change that football uniform. You are not going to change a thing, not even the size of the decal on the size of the helmet. Right. Forget changing the, the logo. You're not going to even change the size of the decal. Whereas, you know, fast forward a few months coming to UCF, we're working with Nike and we're just excited beyond belief because we can roll out that we have 64 different uniform combinations. Right. And our fan base here at UCF goes crazy that we have 64 different uniform combinations and they're trying to figure out how we can actually do all of those in one season. Right. And so, you know, here uh, here at UCF, our fans, if, if it's getting late in the day on Thursday before a football game, they start to get antsy coming at us to say, what's the uniform going to be this Saturday? Because Thursday is our uniform unveil day, right? Of what uniform we're going to wear, right? At, at schools that have tradition, there isn't a uniform unveil, 
right? But you could still have fun with it. You do a uniform unveil at a school like that. And it's, of course, the traditional uniform that you always wear, right? So you can still have fun with it, um, you know, while staying within tradition, right? You can still get some social engagement and have fun. Uh, It'd be more in a little bit of a spoof way than it would be in in a serious way. But you could have fun with it. But that's what I would say is, you know, again, if, if you're at a school that has a strong brand, um, people know you, uh, you're steeped in tradition. A lot of what you're doing is you want to make sure you protect that brand, you protect that image. You know, you don't want to do something that damages the brand. Um, when you're at a challenger, uh, a disruptor brand, you know, your goal is to get out there and and have people talking about you, right? Sure, you want them to talk positive about you at the same time, you know, you, you want them to talk about you and have them say, Yep, we we know who you are, right? So uh, uh, so that would be my my uh, answer to that question. It, it's a it's a great spin on it because you you still have to try new things and do new fun things to engage your fan base. You just have to do it in a way that protects the integrity of the brand that you've worked so hard to build and curate over the years. Um, Absolutely. I, I I think back to almost your example made me think to my days at Disney, where I, I mean Disney is known for this where they are we, we were so hyper protective of the mouse and the brand and any way that mickey would be depicted but constantly we were doing collaborations with gucci with all kinds of different crazy streetwear brands if you will especially in the last couple of years because we knew that's what the younger generation wanted but we did it in a way where we had complete control of what how mickey was going to be depicted and what that looked like right um and and control over the partners that we felt like had the same values as us and would do our brand right um and i think that's kind of the challenge that you have to kind of balance as you said yeah absolutely no you there has to be a balance and, and as you mentioned going back to auburn you know i think uh, is something that probably helped Auburn a little bit with that is, you know, Under Armour was that mm. was that challenger disruptor brand. If you go back 12, 14 years ago and Auburn partnered with with Under Armour. Now, that didn't mean there was a partnership to, hey, let's see how much we can change the uniforms or that we can now become the Under Armour brand. But by attaching themselves to that brand, it, it you know, you know, made Auburn a little bit more edgy. Right. It, it got them in, in that Under Armour world where you're used to seeing those those cutting edge, edgy commercials, you know, with the, with the guys screaming and sweating. And, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, by having that brand association, it, it automatically elevated, uh, that, that innovation on Auburn side without, without touching tradition. It's, it's a great point. Um, let, let's talk about something else that you said. I mean, as you think about having this challenger brand or really ultimately it's about kind of being creative, being scrappy, being innovative. Um, part of the things that you mentioned, that you feel like is a big contributor to that is your youth uh, from the youth of the fan base, but as well to the kind of the youth of the staff. Uh, I remember back when I was in Orlando, I, we, I, we had some conversations with your, with y'all's predecessor, with Danny's predecessor, with Todd and, and team. And we had done some discovery work and, and talked with different staff. And one of the things we felt like is that UCF was a great spot to learn and get skills, but then people would go and jump to another school. But Let's first talk about kind of the youth and the role that you guys feel like the youth plays in this culture of change and innovation and future focus. Sure, absolutely. And, and you know, we'll, we'll start with to your point. We'll start with youth internally on staff. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, yes. You know, we're, where we are, our budget is not as large as some of the other schools out there. Right. But it's growing. Right. It's it's grown. And, in, in, you know, in the past four years that I've been here, you know, we've, we've probably grown at about 20, 25 million dollars um, in, in those in those four years. Um, so we're definitely growing it. 
Um, but as you mentioned, we we do uh, end up having uh, a younger staff, but with that younger staff comes some innovation and creativity um, and, and, and engagement, um, especially in the social space. And then when we talk about our alumni, well, our alum, the average age of our alums, 35 years old, right? I mean, I mentioned having nearly 350,000 alums. Well, when you have an alumni base that's averaging about 35 years old, they are extremely engaged on social media, right? And, and we affectionately refer to our group as the, as the UCF Twitter mafia, right? So um, if, if anyone has ever said anything negative about UCF, they know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, if they've said it negative on social media, <laughs> They're, they're going to hear about it from our fan base. Right. And so we're really able to embrace that. We're able to grow and strengthen our, our brand through social media, which, uh, you know, you could say is innovative, but it's also um, it's also inexpensive. Right. I mean, you know, yes, we have staff. Um, we have some very, very talented staff. Uh, you know, the, uh, Eric DeSalvo, who, who leads our um, what we call our hashtag content department. Right. It's it's not our social or digital media team. It's hashtag content. We, we like uh we like unique titles here as well is, um, you know, uh, Eric was a was a was an SID uh, was was how uh, he originally started here and and uh, then uh, transitioned over to the digital social space. Um, and so we're able to really engage with our fan base. Um, you know, they know what our voice is. We have uh, you know, we, we have our brand, we have our voice. Um, and, and Eric is is really protective of that, making sure that that we're using our voice, whether it's in our basketball program or in our golf program or in our football program uh, when we're out on social. So we're able to really um, use the digital, the social space uh, to help grow our brand. And, and, and going back to what I was saying earlier in the conversation, when you have that nearly 350,000 alums out there, you know, you can you can reach out and, and you know, not only be nationwide, you can be worldwide, but, uh, you know, you can really blanket the nation. And, and I think one great example of that is a few years back, we made it to the NIT and men's basketball. And, you know, our, our basketball program, Coach Dawkins is doing an incredible job, but we're not steeped in, in, uh, in history, um, in basketball. Um, and, uh, as an aside, I've been to more UCF basketball games than I have football games in the last couple of years, just FYI. That is wonderful. That makes you unique, uh, because we're, we're growing basketball here and, and it's, it's been great. So I'm glad to hear that. But it was it was wonderful where when when we're going to New York to uh, to play in the in the final four of the at the NIT, we have such a strong group of alums in New York City, right? And here we are we are in Orlando, Florida. I, I I don't have a map in front of me to know how many miles New York is from Orlando, right? But it's not close. We all know that. And we had an alumni function up there that the the space wasn't large enough. Uh, I think it only held held three or four hundred people. You know, when when we were there, there was some of the media that were saying this feels like a UCF basketball home game. There's so many people <laughs> on here chanting UCF uh, there in the garden it, it, in Madison Square Garden. And it wasn't because there were people that traveled from Orlando to New York, for sure. But we were able to just activate and engage the thousands of alums that live in New York because, again, we just have such a young and and uh, and large uh, alumni base that we can engage with them. So um, so yeah. So with with youth um, again comes creativity and and you know we embrace that both internally and and also with uh, the way that we that we interact with our fan base. So there's like 15 things I want to unpack here. Um, <laughs> but let, let's start with this one. Going starting with the internal side of things. Uh, when you feel like you have this 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 youth 
such such a large present of presence of younger guys and girls in the department. Is that something that you guys have intentionally created or do you feel like unintentionally you just tend to have a lot of young employees in the department? How how have you guys approached that as senior leadership? Has have you said we've got a young fan base so let's get young employees? What what's been the the thought process culturally there about getting youth into your organization? Because I think I think a lot of some of the older departments that, that have been around for a long time, you got guys and girls that have been there for 50 years and it's not the same kind of demographics that you guys have in your department. So curious is if that's intentional or not, if it's intentional, how have you approached it? Sure. And and I think to your point, we, as I mentioned earlier as well, we embrace change, right? Uh, you certainly want to hold on to, to great employees and that's our goal is to hold on to, to great employees. Um, but we're okay with change. Uh, as you mentioned we're okay with somebody that uh, wants to come learn, help UCF get better, and and which means that they've gotten themselves better, right? Because you want your your staff, you want your employees to grow, um, and and that's really where you want to focus is on their growth. Because if they're growing, then you know that you are as an organization. But then we're okay if if they can go get a better job somewhere. We want them to be able to do that. And and as you mentioned, we're we're going to go grab you know someone else that has done a great job. Uh, somewhere. But I think it, it probably also has to do with the youth of our of us as an organization and us growing our budget is we know that we need to continue to grow uh, the size of our staff. Right. And what's the way you can grow the size of your staff? Uh, the quickest is probably to have an entry level position. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and so, you know, with an entry level position comes entry level pay. Um, so you're probably just by nature going to end up with youth. So we're not specifically trying to hire younger because of our fan base. It's probably more uh, due to the circumstances of it being, say, an entry level position uh, that the person eventually is going to grow out of. And if we can can promote them with, from within, that's our goal. We want to promote from within and we're able to do that. Uh, I know there's some folks here that you've probably known for years that uh, started yep. out maybe as a as a coordinator and they've worked their way up to an associate AD and, and things of that nature. So, um, you know, we, we have folks that love to be here, but as you mentioned, sometimes you can struggle if somebody's been somewhere for X number of years, pick the number of years, right. And, you know, they may look at you and go, we've tried that. It doesn't work. Or yeah. that's not how we do that here. Or, you know, whatever you may hear that can, that can stunt innovation. Um, you know, you, you may hear some of that. And then, also, one other thing on that to, is, you know, some of the stuff that we've done here, you know, we're set up as a direct support organization, which really helps. So, for instance, I'm not a state employee, right? I'm, I'm University, uh, University of Central Florida Athletics Association employee. And so that gives you more flexibility operating in a campus environment. And so for us, we have for years had our outbound ticket sales group in-house, Right. So we're, we're, we're not needing to partner with a third party. We're doing it in house ourselves. So there's going to be some churn in that department, right? Some, some youth mm-hmm. and folks. And then four years ago, right when I first got here, uh, we, we brought our multimedia rights, uh, sponsorship in house. Um, right. And, and that's not the norm. That's not the standard in college athletics. The standard is to, to have a third party rights holder. We brought that in house as well. And, and so I think sometimes with that, you know, there might be some youth in those sales positions and, um, as you're hiring people in that as well. But, but both of those have worked out really well for us. And, and, um, you know, having the, the corporate uh, sales team in house gives you a lot of flexibility with some creativity as well. 
All right. So you have to remind me to come back to that last topic. Um, okay. We got to spend a little bit of time talking there because I, I know some people are certainly thinking about it. We don't have to go deep into it, but I know some people are thinking about it in the current economics. Um, but I, I, one thing I do want to touch on, and I think is really important that we haven't touched on in any other podcast episodes is this, this comment that you made of, we're okay with people coming here and growing, doing some cool things, learning some new skills and moving on and finding the next role. Uh, And part of that is because structurally you have more entry level jobs than you do senior level jobs. Um, But I I think a lot of organizations and leaders put lip service to that, but they don't actually necessarily back that up. So are there specific resources or things that you do to help people find their next job? So if an entry level person comes up to you, you've got a good relationship with him or her and they say, Scott, hey, I I feel like there's no headcount available above me and I'm ready for the next thing. What do I do? What kind of resources do you guys provide, Um, whether it's even allowing people to go to NACTA, whatever it might be, are there specific things other than just advice that you guys are able to provide from a leadership uh, within the department? Yeah. And, and, you know, being, being real with that, it's probably more advice at the end of the day, it's advice and and support, right? I mean, you, you want to, you know, Hey, know that you can come talk to us, whoever us is as a leader um, in the organization, whether that's Scott Carr, whether that's somebody else, let us know. We want to know what your goals are. What What are your career goals? Where do you want to be in three years and five years? Um, here's some things that, that you should do to get there. Um, you know, obviously, at the at the we probably did a better job with this at the at the beginning of the uh, of COVID when you know with remote work of yeah. really trying to encourage our staff to you know listen to the engagement podcast, right? L- listen to nice plug. You know, you know, participate in webinars, right? Um, you know, our, our goal was we didn't want to furlough. We didn't want to uh, lay folks off. Um, but at the same time, you know, make sure you're working. And if part of work is participating in in growth and professional development, do that, right? Um, we have uh, our HR department here um, had, you know, they, they call it Think HR, right? And so they sent out probably 20 or 30 professional development. They weren't just necessarily collegiate sports, right? It wasn't just sports related, but, you know, just growth, right? Whether it's, you know, something on leadership or whether it was something on, you know, uh, building relationships with people or networking or whatever it was, it's, you know, here's here's tools for you to try to grow. And, and I know just me personally with my staff, you know, my goal is to try to send them, you know, whether it's it's someone that I'm listening to on podcasts, if I hear a good podcast, I want to share that with other folks and say, hey, you should follow David Malay and engagement and, and listen to what they're doing. They're doing some great podcasts or just encouraging folks that way. And then you mentioned NACTA, you know, again, one of the blessings of living in Orlando is right now, every other year, NACTA is in Orlando, right? And so to your point, we encourage our staff to go over to NACTA, um, even if it's you know, being in the lobby and meeting people, right? And it's, hey, if there's someone I can introduce you to, let me know, right? I'd, I'd be happy to do that and, and make an introduction for you. So, um, you know, it's it's trying to encourage them because I think where where I know I need to do better, we probably all should do better is having those conversations more uh, with our staff so that they feel more comfortable having those conversations with us, right? Instead of just sitting back and going, well, you know, I have an open door, right? I right. think to say, hey, listen, guys, if you come and ask me some of these questions, I'm not going to think that 
you just want to leave and you want to get out of here. You know, the bottom line is, is we want you to get better. And if by getting better, that means that you're ready for that next step and the next step's not available here, then we're, we're excited that you've got that. And, and what we know when people leave here, they tell us, Hey, if something opens up, I'd love to come back. Right. So that, yeah. that's what you want to hear. And, and, you know, that's how you continue to get better as well. Well, I think you hit on, hit on it at the end that reminded me of, again, something from my Disney days where what we, we had a structured setup where it was really kind of once a month with a leader, uh, with your, with your direct leader, um, you had a non, non goals and results focused one-on-one check-in. So obviously we had those meetings where, Hey, how are you progressing towards your goals and your, the metrics that I needed to hit in my role. Uh, but once a month we had a meeting that was just about professional development, growth goals. But what ended up happening was in those meetings, the unintended, I think it was intended, right? But part of the intended consequence was all of our leaders knew far before two weeks in advance when somebody was looking to leave. And if I knew that my, if I knew that somebody that was working for me was ready for the next thing, I was helping that person. Yes. But I was also starting to build the pipeline for, okay, who's going to take this role when this person leaves in six months? That way I'm not stranded when the person gives the two weeks notice. And I, I think as a leader, we have to be proactive to say, let's have these professional development conversations because it's great for the employee, but it's also good for the business to have those conversations. Um, Absolutely. You know, and, and like you said, from this, this podcast has already helped me because it, it light bulb went off where I need to make sure that I circle back with my staff and say, hey, you know, let's have those conversations. But I'll mention one other thing that, that we've done. Uh, I give our HR department credit for this as well is um, and, and I'm not sure if they're doing it every two weeks, um, but it's, it's fairly regular where they will have staff, um, you know, engagement sessions. Uh, that's probably not the exact branding term they're using, but for instance, they invited me to to come and talk and do a professional development for whatever staff wanted to listen, right? Whether it was 10 or whether it was 50, right? Um, but I share my story. I shared how, you know, where I started and, and you know, the steps that took it that to get me to where I am and, you know, mentors and, and you know, just shared some of that. But then they'll also in some of these, they may have um, someone come on there to talk about, uh, you know, one of our financial advising partners, to talk about, uh, you know, saving for retirement, right? Because again, we talk about a young staff, you know, when, when I'm 25 and 26 year old, uh, years old, I was very grateful that someone at the Orange Bowl committee said to me, Scott, I don't care if it's 25 or 50 bucks a month, you need to start saving for retirement. And I'm sitting there going, I'm 26. What do you mean retirement, right? right? Um, I'm finally making some money. I don't, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, so it's encouraging them that way. It may be, you know, uh, if, if a topic that some staff lets the HR department know they're interested in, it may be, uh, somebody coming and talking about buying your first house, right? And and what that's like. And so um, our HR department does a lot of those um, personal and professional growth uh, engagement opportunities. And like I said, if five people are interested, then five will join. If 55 are interested, 55 will join. But it's it's constantly trying to do some of those types of things to uh, to let your staff know that you're there and, and that, uh, you know, you're willing to talk and listen. And that stuff's low cost, no cost, right? I mean, that that's a, that's a great move that you guys are doing. Absolutely. Um, well, let, let's circle. I want to touch on this for a minute. We don't need to go too deep, but as you guys have moved sales and multimedia rights in house, uh, what have been some of the struggles and some, some of the pros and cons to that 
process. I, I know, again, right now, the economic world in college athletics is just getting flipped upside down and we'll, we'll see what happens and all, all bets are off as to what could happen. Um, w- but as you guys have moved that, you guys are one of the few, few groups that have moved both of those things in house. Um, what have been some of the struggles or some of the successes with that model? Sure. And, and uh, a, a lot more successes than struggles um, as, as we've mo- moved the multimedia in-house. Um, we've been very pleased with that. Um, it, it's Again, it's worked really well for us. Uh, you know, I'll use a specific example that, that you'll appreciate is, you know, we, we've been able to uh, partner with with Disney. Right. Um, I mean, you want to talk about attaching yourself to a strong brand. Right. There's mm-hmm. there's a international brand right there to, uh, in our backyard. And um where that's been such a positive uh, partnership is just, you know, w- when you're looking for the sponsor, you you want cash. When you are the sponsor, you want return on your investment, you want exposure, but you'd also like to use trade, right? I mean, so there's mm-hmm. there's always that push-pull a lot of times that can get even more challenging when you have a third-party group involved, right? Because the third-party group's usually not very interested in the trade part, Right. Whereas the institution's interest is, is interested in trade, but also in cash. And so we were able to work with uh, with Disney, um, you know, to have a solid partnership uh, with some cash and some trade. But what's what's huge for us is, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, the NCAA came out with the rule of you can provide entertainment for your student athletes uh, within. I don't remember if it's a 30, 35 mile radius of campus. Well, guess what's within 30, 35 mile radius of our campus, right? Walt Disney World, right? So park tickets for us to be able to allow our teams to go to Disney World, that's huge for us, right? That's a that's huge for our teams, the, the student athletes that are currently on campus, uh, you know, for their morale, for their team building, for, you know, for, for everything that they're doing. And it also doesn't hurt when you're talking to that prospective student athlete that is considering coming to UCF and you're able to say, well... Just, you know, at least once, if not twice during during the year, we're going to be able to run over to the Disney parks for the day. Right. And so we were able you know, that was very easy and seamless. Everybody was on board with what the details of that sponsorship were, because we want the trade. We want the the tickets to the park, the tickets to the Disney parks for Disney. I mean, those are gold. They're probably more than cash. Right. Um, and so we worked out a great partnership with them that was that was a very seamless one to work out because, you know, because we were in house. Right. And there wasn't sort of that. Well, if you want some passes to that, that's trade. So that's going to have to come out of this bucket over here. And that's right. And so, you know, we didn't have to do that. yeah, you know, it was it was just very smooth and we were able to do that. And and so we're able to work on other things like that. So, for instance, the conversation, um, you know, that that the. We call it our brand advancement team um, or, or experiential innovation is experiential innovation is what our folks are doing for for game day experiences. Experiential, experiential innovation is, is the title of those staff instead of the marketing assistance is we're able to have conversations with our sponsorship folks and go, hey, this would be a great activation right outside of our football stadium. And if we could have some of these giveaways or we could have some of this type of stuff, that would be great. And sure, our sponsorship folks, they're measured a lot of times uh, by our athletics director or by myself on cash. Mm-hmm. But we're also going to sit back and go, hey, we get it. You know, you could have gotten that $20,000 worth of cash from that sponsor, but we wanted an activation outside our stadium. We're not going to hold that against you. Right. So it, it's it's worked out really well that way. And um, 
it, it's just it's it's great having uh, great having it in house. And again, I've I've worked with third parties and had wonderful relationships with them as well. So, um, but but uh, we really like the the flexibility um, that it gives us here. Flexibility, I think, is the key word, right? Um, and again, I've got a lot of good relationships with a bunch of the third parties as well. Um, but the, the the key piece around flexibility and trade, again, uh, we're, we're talking a lot of Disney, the Orlando connection. Both of us are in Orlando right now. Um, if you so, just something to think, look for. If you go to Disney uh, when they have food and wine festival, which is you know the two month celebration at Epcot. I think is it happening right now? I don't know. Later this month uh, into November. It's usually in the fall. Yes, there is so much trade that happens there in terms of sponsorship. Next time you go, have that lens on. I mean, everything from Newski's Bacon, right to the, so Newski's is they're advertising that it's Newski's Bacon, but then they're supplying all the bacon, and Disney's not paying for that bacon then. And there's so much trade that happens when you have flexibility like that. Um, so it's definitely one pro as, as people are mulling what happens next. Um, something to consider in any relationship that you're, you're working with from a sponsorship or, or sales perspective. Yes. And I, I know revenue generation is the word we like to talk about a lot, but as the person tasked with revenue generation, saved money is made money, right? That's I mean, right. So, That's right. It's not know, just about top line. Right. I mean, it's, it's one of those deals where it's like, if, if you can save me $20,000 out of this line item that I was going to spend something on, we as an organization just made $20,000, right? That's so, right. Um, so save money can be made money as well. It's just that can get a little bit sticky when there's, there's multiple different groups that are involved um, yeah. in that. Well, let's talk about something we, we've hit on it a couple times here already. We talked about Eric and his team and experiential innovation and and brand instead of just communications. You guys were really some of the front runners and changing a lot of the titles and the terminology that you guys use internally. And I think it sh- what it did, though, was it shifted behaviors, right? We, we talk about this a lot of at Disney, the difference between a ticket taker and a greeter. Those it's the same person, but when you change that role title, it's a completely different mindset. If I ask a ticket taker to go greet people, they're going to say, ah, oh, that's another thing I got to do. But if you just call them greeters from the get-go, that's their primary task. So how did you guys approach that? I'm sure that played a, an influence uh, as you guys name different titles, but talk to us about some of this shift that you guys have made there. Sure. Well, you know, given credit where credit's due, uh, you know, Danny White, uh, our athletics director, obviously is is extremely innovative and creative, has a great vision. Uh, so giving him the credit uh, at the at the jump, because he was the one that said, OK, we, we need to let let's let's have some titles that are not these old traditional, you know, what everybody else out there is calling it. Let let's what is it right? What what is it that we're doing? And we actually spent you know, as you would uh, probably appreciate with things at Disney, somebody may see something and just go, oh, they just came up with that. And you're like, no, <laughs> like that was there was a lot of time and thought that went into some of that. And so we we spent some time on that. Right. Like we uh, when when Danny was talking to me about my title. Right. And, and about the quote unquote marketing department's uh, titles. I mean, obviously, I went to our marketing folks and they just loved it. Right. To, to kind of whiteboard what this should be. And, and you know, Eric DeSalvo and them saying, Hey, with a little smile on their face, what about hashtag content? 
Hey, I love it, guys. That's great. Like, is that well, because that's what we are. We're hashtag, you know, and, and so again, literally their title is not content, it's hashtag content, right? So there's the hashtag before it, right? That's what's on the business card, if you will, right? And uh, you know, brand uh brand advancement is what we came up with for um uh for our marketing department because ultimately that's what they're doing. They're advancing the brand, right? If if we are um, if your job is fan engagement and game day experience, right? That's kind of a title that that was for college space innovative over the past 10 years, right? Because it's Which is crazy, but yeah. Right. Like it was because well, well, you know, we 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 got very innovative in college athletics and went from a marketing assistant to fan experience. Hey, we, we got innovative, <laughs> right? And so, you know, for us it was like, well, what what is ultimately uh, Jimmy Skiles, the head of our marketing department, ultimately, what is he doing? He's helping to advance our brand, right? And if that is through a game day, well, we're advancing our brand because if you're a fan and you're coming to a UCF game or you're not a fan and you're coming to a UCF game and now all of a sudden you are a fan, now you know UCF, well, we're advancing the brand with each person that that knows it, right? And, and of course, you could you could also detract from the brand as well, right? If you're not doing a good job, but, you know, so brand act, brand advancement. And so based on those, we, we had me as deputy AD for brand activation, right? They're advancing it, but I'm helping to activate and make sure that, you know, we're, we're activating it. And then uh, we, we have a deputy athletics director, instead of being in charge of development, it's championship resources, what is development? Well, they're they're trying to we're trying to get money. We're trying to get revenues. We're trying to ask folks for that. Right. Well, why are you doing that? Well, we want to win championships. OK, so we need the resources to win championships. So it's not development. It's championship resources, right. And then we have a deputy AD, um, Eric Wood, that uh, he's deputy AD for competitive excellence. Right. You want to compete. You know, so well, what is that? Well, you know, academics is involved in that what do the sports programs need? Right. I mean, he's, he's involved in all of the different layers of what the sports programs need to be successful um, and to be competitively excellent. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it, it was coming up with a lot of those different titles um, because that is what we feel the role is. Right. And it, and it goes back to, you know, the creating the future of college sports of um, let's, let's put a title out there for what we're actually doing um, ultimately and not just, well, over at this school, they call it marketing. So we're going to call it yeah. marketing, right? So, but it's it's interesting because it's not even what you're doing. It's like the ideal tasks of what they're doing. So like, again, this contrast is popping in my head of marketing versus brand advancement. When I think about marketing, it's like this vision of, all right, push the brand out as much as we can. Advertisements, uh you know, Instagram targeted ads, whatever it might be, but it's, it's very push, push, push to me. When I think about brand advancement, that says more of like, we got to protect the essence of our brand. We have to, to build it in a positive way. It's much less car sales mini, if that makes sense, than what traditional marketing might come up. The, the images and the activities might conjure in my head. And so as I think about that, it's almost like, you guys said, what are the ideal behaviors that we want our people to be doing? And let's title their roles something that says that's your primary focus. Yes. No, absolutely. You're, you're exactly right. And I think one to kind of tie in some of our earlier conversation with that is I mentioned a little bit earlier, the, the folks that are in our brand advancement department. So marketing for the folks tuning in just to keep the terminology straight. But in our brand advancement department that, you know, it, they may be a coordinator of experiential innovation. 
what that means is their main role is working with sports on, you know, pushing that sports brand, but also the game day experience for that sport. So let's just pick basketball as an example, right? So that person for basketball there, it's about the experience, the experience of the student athletes, the experience of our coaches, the experience of our fans, right? And then of course we've worked the word innovation in there because guess what? You got to be innovative. We got to be innovative. Even if you're at a traditional brand, you got to be innovative, right? And one of the areas that fans or people will give you some leeway in innovation is game day experience, right? If, if, if you're at a school that's very tradition rich, you can probably get away with all of a sudden going, you know what, this year, we're going to add fireworks every time we score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Fans are probably not going to sit back and say, hey, stop it. We're not a fireworks school, right? Um, you can probably add fireworks, right? Uh, you know, again, going back to Auburn, innovation-wise, it wouldn't have made sense for us to go, hey, let's do rally towels at Auburn, right? Auburn, there is a shaker. You know, they do shakers there, and it's incredible, right? So, you know, maybe you get innovative with different colors of shakers, right? But you don't need to all of a sudden go, hey, let's just try to push a rally towel here. No, it's it's a shakers, right? right. But you can you could add uh, uh, fireworks and things. So it's experiential innovation because that's ultimately what you're doing. You're not just doing marketing. It's experiential innovation, and it's across multiple uh, multiple people groups. You know, and, yep. and it's also uh, you know the innovation tied in there as well. I love it. it. Again, this this time right now, for the first time ever, there are a lot of organizations in the sports and entertainment space that actually have time to not just work in their business, but work on their business and make different improvements, sit, reassess, rethink their structure, how they do different things. And this is definitely something that people should consider thinking about within their organizations right now. Yeah, um, Absolutely. Well, you talked about experiential innovation. Let's go there. Uh, let's let's talk about some of the different things that you guys have uh, in and around the stadium. Uh, I, I think about all the different cool things from from cove gating to the Carl Black Cabanas. Uh, you got even from what's it called Magic Mile, right? Is, is that what we're calling the the tailgating areas? Uh, let, let's talk. Let's go into it. Why don't you take us through uh, the different things that you guys have and experiences for fans on game day? Sure, absolutely. So, yeah, and, and again, uh, you know, we we uh, something that was huge here at UCF was getting an on-campus football stadium back in 2007. Um, you know, I. I in my own thoughts, I thank the folks that were here before me that they got that done because that's, you know, we're reaping the benefits of that right now of, of being on campus. I think you can get a lot more creative and innovative on your own campus. Um, so, yeah, so so some of the uh, the things that we do that are becoming traditions. Right. And, and what I mean by that is there's some, some of these things I'm going to mention. We could probably stop doing and our fan base wouldn't, you know, be in too much of an uproar, yet they enjoy it. Right. So we're kind of in that in that tweener spot of of it's becoming a tradition and, and we want to keep hammering some of these home to be, to be a tradition. So um, we do something here uh, called the March to victory. And what that is, is our band and cheerleaders, uh, there'll be an area where our students, a huge tailgating area of our students um, in about an hour before the game, uh, when we're really wanting our students to start coming to get into the stadium, our band will play to the students and, and they will march to the stadium. And, and there'll be thousands of people that will follow them in this march to victory to the stadium. So we know our stadium gates are going to get hit pretty hard uh, right there at that march to victory time. But that that is not the night walk, which is our football team. Right. So we do that a little over two hours before. And, and really, um, we, we started that up. Uh, they had tried that here um, prior to, to my arrival. And, and uh, 
obviously being at Auburn with with Tiger Walk, that is just an incredible experience. Uh, you know, we've, we've added Night Walk and, and that one's growing in tradition as well. That one's not as innovative as some of the other ones um, that we do. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, and, and as I was talking about early on in, in the conversation about some of the advantages we have in Orlando, Central Florida uh, and, you know, competitive advantages. Well, the weather is one of them. Right. I mean, the weather, I'll admit, I, I've lived here long enough that if, if I go two weeks in a row where I have to wear a jacket, I'm starting to get a little bitter. Right. I'm, I'm sitting back going, okay, <laughs> need to warm up. Right. This this jacket stuff is no good um, is, uh, you know, so we're we're doing things here in, a, in an innovative way to take advantage of the weather. So, for instance, uh, McNamara Cove is what we're calling it. Uh, Recovery Cove is what it started as. Uh, the media likes to call it a lazy river, right? For those listening, that, that may that may resonate more with them. But it's an area that uh, will be for our student athletes uh, throughout the year as well. Um, and but it's also going to be a spot where we're going to once we can get it built here. We, the plan was to be building it right now, but obviously with the COVID, we've had to hit pause. But we're going to sell cove gating spots, so we will open this up on football game days, uh, probably about four hours or so before the game. Fans will be able to come in, um, get into the pool, the lazy river. Uh, there'll be showers and areas where they can change. Uh, you know, we'll have food and beverage there for them. Uh, it'll come with a parking spot. And we're pretty sure there's no cove gating anywhere else in the country or world uh, where you can actually come to a state. It's going to be right outside the stadium, uh, which is right in our athletics footprint, right? You know, right near our, our, uh, our wellness. Uh, we have a, the Garvey Nutrition Center where our student athletes eat. We have our academic building that's right there. So everything's going to be right there. Um, but we know that we can spend $2 million on something like that instead of $50 million on, you know, say a football administration building. Um, and because of our weather, we, we can access that 364 days out of the year, right? You know the weather here. And then something else that we're going to do is we're going to spend just a little bit of money, again, going back to the not needing to spend $50, $60 million on a building, and we're going to have what's called Champions Way, and it's going to be a real nice brick walkway that's going to have palm trees, and it's going to basically take our student-athletes from uh, their academic building that'll take them right by the uh, Garvey Nutrition Center, right by McNamara Cove. It'll take them over to their residence halls uh, that where they live, the you know the weight rooms, and, and whether it's basketball for the gym or whether it's football or track, soccer, all of those locker rooms are all going to be right there on that Champions Way path. So, you know, we're able to do some of those kind of things and spend another, say, million dollars on that instead of spending multi, yeah. multi million dollars on, on some other things. Um, we also, you know, something that we have here. Uh, wait, was- wait, wait, real quick, real quick. Yeah. I, got, I can't, I can't let, let us talk about cove gating without, okay. with, without saying, how the hell did you guys come up with something like that? I mean, did you, is it, was it a, throwing up all the assets that you guys have, like we got great weather, let's take advantage of it on a whiteboard. I mean, how does an idea like that even get created? So again, I got to give the credit to Danny White, right? I mean, it's, it's, um, it's just off his dome. Like he came in one morning and was like, let's put a, let's put a lazy river up. I mean, yeah, it's, really? it's basically coming in and just saying, man, you know, we've got great weather here in Orlando. We really need to take advantage of that. We don't have to spend as much money on facilities as some other folks. What do you guys think about this? We can create this recovery cove, this deal out here that would be a pool and it could be multifaceted. Sure, it could help with recruiting. Um, it could be something our student athletes would really enjoy while they're here. Our athletic training staff or, or you know, uh, um, sports, uh, sports performance staff 
could use it, whether it's for yeah. rehab or whether it's for working out. Um, and so, you know, so the idea just started to grow and then it became as a group when we were all thinking through it, then it became, what about if we actually turn that into like a tailgating space where fans could actually go in there? How unique would that be? Right. We want to be very unique in the things that we do. How unique would that be if we did that? Nobody's done that. Right. Because again, one of the things that we added the first year were some field cabanas down in the end zones. Right. So, so there was some of that creativity already going on. And again, that it's, it's, I give credit to Danny for whether it's his ideas or whether he's challenging the staff to come up with some of those ideas. And a lot of times they're his, right. I mean, he's, yeah. he's got an incredible, incredibly creative mind um, of adding those field cabanas. So then in my opinion, I think the field cabanas really helped all of us start thinking a year or two later about, well, what about tailgating? And then it became, well, we're going to name it McNamara Cove because of a, of a generous donor that's helping us get it built. Well, what about cove gating instead of just tailgating, right? It, or, or, you know, tailgating in the pool, right? It's no, it's cove gating, right? So, um, so yeah, so it's, uh, again, a lot of it starts with Danny. He's, he's, um, he's incredible. But, th- but this is where having a culture of innovation is, is what drives it, right? Like, like you said, A, it's them, it's, it's you guys coming in and saying, let's think about what assets we have and how do we use those assets like warm weather to our advantage. But something else you said, I mean, it's, it's built, it, ideas build on top of one another. You, you've got the field cabanas down. Now it's starting to see success. Now you say, okay, well, what's the next idea that's like that? And it builds, right? You can't just yeah. say, let's come, let's start being creative on Monday. Like it doesn't work like that. Um, but but let's talk, let's talk a little bit about those cabanas and the Carl Black cabanas. And I, I remember yeah. being, I remember being at the office at Disney. And when I first saw that you guys were rolling out with almost this beach themed part of the stadium with real sand and stuff. I was like, I'm not even a UCF fan, but I need tickets and I've got to, I've got to find my way into that stadium. I mean, talk to us a little bit about that experience. Sure. Absolutely. So as I mentioned earlier, the the football stadium was built in 2007. Um, And so it's, and it's the way it's built, it's really unique where you, you can make some renovations that aren't super expensive and create some, some spaces. So I'll talk about a few of those. So I've already mentioned the field cabanas, right? Just the the distance from the end zone to to where the bleachers started, we could fit in field cabanas. We've got 16 of them now. They're, they've been sold out ever since we rolled out the concept, right? And and they're an incredible experience, right? It's it's you know your your uh, your front row there on the glass at hockey, right? Without glass in front of you, right? So it's it's an incredible experience for those fans. Um, and as you mentioned, the Carl Black and uh, Gold Cabana is on the east side of our stadium. And that was actually done before myself or before Danny got here. Um, it was Todd Stansberry and, and his staff. But on the east side of the stadium, you know, that's where the sun's going to beat you down here in Florida. Right. And and so you're not going to, you know, that's the visiting sideline. You're not going to sell as many seats. Well, what they were able to do, what we're able to do here is come in in between the, the uh, lower and upper bowl, which you've been to our stadium. It's almost more like just one bowl, right? It doesn't really feel mm-hmm. like two bowls. It, it's, there's not an upper deck here, but, um, and they were able just to, with the I beams that were there, just takes, take the I beams and, and create a, take out some bleacher seats and just create a lounge, create a club. And so the concept was, well, why wouldn't we create a beach club? Um, I, I think, uh, you know, when, when I first got here, one of the things that I wanted to make sure we were pushing as much as possible was the beach, because as someone who grew up in the state of Florida, I never thought about the beach when I thought about Orlando. But when you think about where UCF is, 
as a crow flies, UCF is 30 miles from the beach, right? Right. Right? You just, you don't think about that. You think about Disney, you think about a lot of things, but I can drive to the beach from UCF's campus as quickly as I can drive to Disney. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, so I think there was, you know, great job done of tying the beach into UCF and into our brand as well. And so, yeah, it's a beach club themed uh, uh, club over there. And, you know, we'll do steel drum bands or have, you know, of course the theming is, you know, it's, it's what you would expect from a beach, right? Crab traps and surfboards yep. and all sorts of stuff that's over there that, that is a certain um, experience. So we did that. And then because of our stadium, we were also able to create other clubs that are just in between the fifties. So the, the Carl Black and Gold Cabana started and there was, oh gosh, probably a thousand seats, 900 seats, something like that when it was first started. Well, it's up to over 3000 seats now, because what we've done is we've just taken bleacher seats out and added chairback seats and just expanded it from three sections in our stadium to about eight sections in the stadium. And, yeah. and we just, you know, we, and we're, and we're just able to, to continue to service it. So we've been able to do a lot of those creative things with our stadium to, uh, to come up with unique experiences for our fans. We've created some other clubs. Um, one, one last idea I'll, I'll throw out there to you is one of the things we noticed during the games is the way our stadium is. It is an, it is an incredible seat, even though it's you're standing if you're at the top of the stadium. So the top of our stadium would probably be like row 50 at, at a, at a okay. stadium. Right. And so what what you notice if you come to our stadium, when you get up to that to the top of the stadium, uh, there's a great sea breeze that comes to our stadium. So it feels wonderful up there. Even if it's hot, you're getting a great yeah. breeze. So we would see fans standing up up there all the time. So on the west side of our stadium, what we did was uh, we we took that upper, basically it's an upper sidewalk uh, on either side of the clubs up there. And we put a, a, a roof over top of it and we created two and four seat low seating that has been sold out for the past two years. Right. Just uh, as a, on a on a premium price. Right. So it's just coming up with those creative ideas based on the way our stadium is, uh, you know, noticing uh, things during games, noticing breezes and all that type of stuff. So it, it's been a lot of fun to get creative with our stadium. And, and you know, we're, we're sitting back. We're one of the few schools in the country, probably, that's actually sitting back having serious dialogue about how do we expand our stadium? It's not big enough anymore. Yeah. Right. It's at 44, 45,000. And we need more seats. We need more seats for our students. We need more seats for our fans. So we're actually starting to work on that. Um, uh, even even during the yeah. COVID time, we're still having plans for that uh, to see how we can grow it. Yeah, and uh, my my two cents on that piece alone is just most schools should not be having that conversation because their their fan base is not growing the way y'all's is. Not from a marketing perspective, but even just. I mean, we talked about earlier, you guys are producing 16,000 new alumni every year and your alumni is younger. So it's not like they're dying off anytime soon either. Um, so most schools, I would say, don't spend your money on a new expanding your your stadium footprint. But for you guys, it might make sense. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It, it makes a lot. It's made a lot of sense for us. And again, it, it's also helped to bring that premium experience. And with a premium right. experience, you can have a premium price. You, you guys, again, have done an incredible job just taking a look at what are your assets? What are things that you have inherently that are different about you guys? And how can you capitalize and monetize those different things? Um, so I applaud all the work you guys have done there. Um, yeah. Well, Scott, this has been incredible. Uh, I, I just want to wrap up here with with one kind of 
question, or I guess two questions. Um, first one will be kind of what uh, what are you really excited about in the coming months? Either something that you guys are working on, something that you guys can plug, or something that's happening in the industry that you're excited about. There's there's been so much doom and gloom. We need something to be excited about. Give us something. Yeah, sure. Well, again, for us, I, I've already been talking about it a lot. For us, it's it's getting through this COVID time, and, and for us, it's getting that McNamara Cove going, right? And yep. getting Cove gating going, right? And and um, the concept's out there, but the reality's not, right? And and so to be able to actually pull that off and get it going, I think, you know, getting back to uh, to that progress uh, is, is really exciting for us. You know, for us, our goal has been during all this, we just want to hit a 12-month pause in, in, in how aggressive we are growing UCF, right? And that doesn't mean we're uh, taking a pause and, and being a... a, a challenger brand or a, a disruptor. Um, but just, you know, like everybody right now, it's like, Hey, careful what you're spending, right? You know, we, we got to be yeah. careful what we're spending. We got to hit pause. We got to be careful on, on construction projects. So I think for us, it's really getting back to being able to focus on where we were going, what we were doing, what we had planned that, that we would be celebrating by June of 2021, uh, 21, that now may be pushed back a little bit further. It's getting back to really being able to do that. And then I think the the other piece to that too is just really being able to see what changes there are in a positive way, right? Because you know there can certainly be some negative change, but positive changes that are going to come out of of COVID, right? I mean, it's if you had if you had told me about Zoom on or said something about Zoom on March first, I would have had no idea what you were talking about, right? And and I'm going Zoom virtual meetings. What do you mean? But I, I think being able to be more productive um, with our time, more efficient with our time um, and, and what that's going to mean for how we can then use our time in other ways uh, to get things done. I think I think that's something else I'm excited about is seeing what kind of growth did we have as individuals and what kind of growth did we have as an industry through through these challenging times. Right. Because you can either let the challenging times negatively impact you or positively impact you. Right. And, and I've always said, let's let it be a positive. Let's grow from it. So I'm I'm very excited to see what that looks like as well. I love it. Well, I'll, I'll plug one for you. One tool we've been using. You mentioned Zoom. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Mural, but we've been u- using Mural since the start of the pandemic. Look it up. So it's kind of like a a virtual whiteboarding tool. Tool, but I'm shouting them out because they just got a Series B investment of a 118 million. Um, it is very cool. We've we've been using it all pandemic, but we're starting to get real good at it, and it's. It's going to make your meetings with Zoom like 10 times more effective, especially for all the creative stuff that you and your team does. So again, called Mural, it's it's, a, it's an awesome tool. Um, no, that's great. Not sponsored. That. that was not sponsored. Um, that's great. Let, oh, go ahead. Well, one, one thing I want to make sure we have a chance, I have a chance to mention is we started the conversation talking about, um, you know, b- being a, an aggressive brand, right? Yeah. And being that challenger brand. One of the quotes that we love to to use, um, and I, you know, this may just be a floater in this podcast, right? You probably say, Scott, you should have said this thirty minutes ago, but loved. I just want to read this, you know, where where we take pride in this, right? And and you know, it kind of explains what we're doing and and all that is uh, Andy Staples, uh, right? Uh, he he's a writer for Sports Illustrated back in 2018. He's now with the Athletic, um, and his quote, I'll, I'll read it exactly as it says. It's difficult to pinpoint when the University of Southern California became USC for people outside the Southland or when Louisiana State University became LSU for people outside Louisiana. But it's relatively easy to determine when the University of Central Florida became UCF to the people outside the borders of the Sunshine State. 
It happened January 1 when the Knights beat Auburn in the Peach Bowl to cap an undefeated season and then declared themselves national champions, right? So, you know, as we were talking about before about being that aggressive brand and challenger brand, you know, you read that and you just take pride in it where you go, that's right. Now, when when Scott Carr goes on a on a vacation to the mountains in North Carolina and I have on a UCF shirt, then the restaurant, the person says, oh, you guys are you guys from Orlando? Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's just a conversation. Right. And you just kind of go, boom, there's there's the brand, you know, advancing and activating. So I wanted to make sure uh, we had a chance to at least share that as we talked about being that aggressive, uh, you know, kind of challenger brand. Well, it's super relevant. I think it ties into the this last question here that I'm going to ask. Um, but but again, again, right now, we can't stress it enough. It's why I wanted to have you on the show right now is that fortune will favor the bold in this time of crisis, right? Like if you're, if you're sitting back right now and thinking, how do we get back to normal? You're screwed. I'm sorry, but you're screwed. If your leadership team is doing that and you and your, your guys are, and girls are thinking that you're done. Uh, you're going to get passed. Uh, you have to be right now making bold moves because it's crisis mode. And, and again, I think about what Danny did when he said, we're national champions. When he declared that on the field, it did a lot for you guys. And look at where you guys are now. Um, so any any final words of advice for listeners of the show, Scott? Oh, well, again, I, I think you nailed it with with being bold, right? Be, being ready to, to come out of this um, in a place of of strength instead of weakness. Right. And, and um, you know, you've we've talked some about that uh, on the call. And, and, you know, for us, it's we are still having conversations about expanding our football stadium. Right. We're not just going to sit back and say, ah, you know, it's COVID. It's a bad year. We'll, we'll talk about that 12 months from now. It's like, no, you know, if, if if right now today you start, we started working with a company to actually renovate and expand our stadium. You're still not opening the gates for a, an expanded stadium till 2023, probably. Right. I mean, just it takes yeah. time. Right. So it's it's having those conversations. Yes, you still have to have the conversations about man, what's the financial impact to our budget going to be this year? How are we going to cover those costs? Are we going to have to try to take out some sort of a loan? What is that going to mean? You know, all those types of things. But it's it's having those conversations now about how can we get better, right? I mean, you know, in, in any other year, all we'd be talking about right now is NIL, right? I mean, that'd be all we're talking about. And instead, it's almost like you're sitting back going, nobody's even really talking about that because there's so much other stuff to talk about. But, you know, it's, where do we need to be in the NIL discussion when we come out on the backside of this? You know, how, how do we need to be preparing for that? What what is the what is the 2021 football season going to look like? Right. It's having those kinds of conversations. Right. And so it's it's um it's just being prepared to come out of it on the on the backside. And like you said, being willing to be bold and, and probably take some risks um, and, and, you know, with risks come rewards and with risks come some failure. But um, but you got to be ready to get out there and and, uh, and do something aggressive and, and move things forward. Scott, thank you so much. It's been a great last hour with you. I uh, look forward to our next conversation. Appreciate you being thank on the show. Thanks for having me on, David. Enjoy listening and glad I could finally join in. Hey guys, before you head out, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. That helps more of your peers find the show as they search for ways to get better in their own roles. But this podcast is just a small part of what we do at Engagement. In our normal day in the office, we're crazy focused on helping athletic departments and sports and entertainment companies generate more revenue by becoming more customer-centric. To see how we might be able to help your organization, visit engagementpartners.com 
to learn more. Download a free guide, check out our blogs and case studies, or schedule a call with us if you want to see how we can help with your particular objectives. Our goal is to help you create deeper connections with fans and generate more revenue. So when you're with us, hopefully you find a nugget or two that helps your cause.